and welcome to Essential Dynamics with Derek Hudson, a podcast in pursuit of clear thinking. I'm Reed McCollum, sitting here with Derek Hudson, who is a deep thinker who helps CEOs work through their trickiest opportunities. I'm delighted to see you again, Derek. As we zoom through the skies for this podcast, we're in, under the circumstances that we are. We have to. Uh, we have to be apart, but uh, we're together in spirit. Is that not true? Oh, we we certainly are together in spirit, Reed. And I think Zoom is the both the noun and the verb for 2020. So <laughs> glad to be zooming with you today. Okay, well, I'm anxious to get started because in a, in, a, in previous podcasts, you've mentioned several uh, uh, words and, and lingo that I want to explore further, and and some of that. I'm, I'm very interested in constraints and drivers that you mentioned. But first, tell me, define essential dynamics. So essential dynamics starts out with the idea that a lot of things that we do in our life that are meaningful or important or that can be meaningful or important are along the lines of a, an adventure or a quest. Okay. And a quest has, in my mind, three essential elements. First of all, there's some purpose, some challenge or problem that we're trying to overcome or accomplish. <clears throat> the second is the people involved. And the third is the path or the way that we solve the problem. And this all came from my work in trying to understand how business model of an organization might operate, where the path is the systems and the processes that the organization uses to accomplish its purpose with the people that it has. Um, so that's the essential elements. The dynamic part of essential dynamics is my belief that everything is subject to these opposing forces, the yin and yang of the universe, as it were, and that we can look at the opposing forces that impact people, path, and purpose uh, separately and break that down. And so for the path side, for systems and processes, in my mind, the opposing forces can be considered the drivers and the constraints. The drivers right. are those compelling things that move us towards our purpose, and the constraints are the things that uh, that hold us back from accomplishing our purpose. The if hurdles. Yeah, if there were no constraints, then we would have an infinite number of all the good things that we want. Okay. So, what is a constraint? It's a hurdle. It's a it's an opposition. Uh, a a restra- restraint. A uh, 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 a stopper in game show turns. turns. Sure. And, and if you think about uh, manufacturing and processes like that, sometimes we talk about a bottleneck. Okay, I like that. Yeah. So what's, what's the story behind the name of your company? So my company is called Unconstrained CFO Incorporated. And I incorporated it 10 years ago just after I left Microline. And I was okay. chief, chief financial officer of Microline for 13 and a half years. And then we had a, a management shakeup and our CEO left and a new CEO came in. And, and we weren't going to be and end up working together. So I was unconstrained. Ah, you were, you were free to, to roam was, the earth. I was freed up. And at the same time, um, I had been studying for many years the theory of constraints, uh, used it a lot in the work at Microline, 
And in fact, I learned about the theory of constraints because one of our customers back in when I first joined 1997 had provided a book to our company and said, everyone has to read this book. And the book is called The Goal. And it's by uh, Eliyahu Goldratt, who was a physicist who started studying management problems, particularly production problems, and came up with the theory of constraints. And so to explain the theory of constraints, he wrote a book called The Goal, which is a novel about a guy who's the manager of a plant, a, you know, a manufacturing plant in trouble. Okay. So The Goal um, is a fantastic business book, and I recommend that everyone read it. Uh, but I have a story about um, how I really learned about the stuff that's in the goal. And I'm going right. to tell it now whether you ask me to or not. Would you please tell that story, Derek? Glad you asked, Reed. So uh, 1997, I have um, just started at Microline, and I'm partway through reading the goal. And in the book, there is this plant manager, and his plant's in trouble, and the, and the company's going to shut it down if it doesn't turn around. And this guy remembers that he, used to, he had one professor in his business school that seemed to get stuff like this. So he chases him down, finds out that he's a very, very busy and important consultant who doesn't have time to talk to him, but would, would meet with him while he was changing flights in an airport. And so this, the story goes that he flies to different places in the United States and meets with this guy in an airport. And then the guy just asks him questions. Doesn't ever tell like him I'm anything. doing to you. Okay. Yeah. I got doesn't, it. doesn't ever tell him anything. Um, and uh, then he sends him back to ponder. So he's trying to figure out why all this work that they do to get the efficiency up in their machines isn't producing more product out the door. <clears throat> now, that sounds like a boring story for this podcast, but let me personalize it. In his story, he talks about in the, this this guy's going to go to the plant one morning to, on a Saturday to figure all this out. And his son bursts into his, his bedroom at seven in the morning and says, Hey, don't you, don't you remember you're taking the scouts on a hike? <laughs> so he uh, goes with his son to this hike. None of the other leaders show up. He's the only adult with 10 boys. And they're going on a 10 mile hike in an overnight backpack. And, uh, and off they go. And what he finds out is not all the, kids hike at the same rate. Well, of course. I remember that when we went on hikes as kids. So I'm about there in the story, and I happen to be uh, heading off on a backpacking trip with scouts. Oh, really? To, uh, to Berg, Berg Lake in Mount Robson Provincial Park uh, with, uh, with my friend Jim and uh, uh, five, I think, five boys. <laughs> and so we're at the trailhead. At the, at the car camping campground, ready to head in the next day. And um, I'm telling Jim about this book I'm reading that. And I said, Jim, so this is what's going to happen. We're going to start hiking up the trail, and some of the kids are going to be really fast, and we're not, like, we're going to lose them. And there's a few of the kids that going to be really slow. I think it's going to be this kid or that kid. And um, the slowest one is going to, like, we can't leave them behind. And he's going to dictate how fast we can get up the trail. So what we're going to do is once we figure out who, who's where in the order, we're going to make them all stop, just like the guy did in the book. And we're going to reverse the order. We're going to put the slow kid at the front. Uh. And uh, in the book, the, that kid is Herbie. 
uh, my kids inappropriately call the kid the fat cub. But anyway. <laughs> I so, was Herbie as a kid. I have to say, I think I think I had, but I've changed my name. So, okay. So, uh, so we had that kid and his back was too heavy and he wasn't in good shape. And when we put him in front, two things happened. One is no one, if no one passed him, then they all stayed together because everyone could walk faster than the kid in the front. Yeah. Uh, but then the other thing which doesn't happen in a manufacturing situation is that the kid in the front feels some sense of responsibility and actually walks faster. Yes. Yes. Um, but then someone else starts to drag. Right. And, uh, so, so changes. They be- the, the dynamic yeah. changes. Yeah. So they become the constraint. And so because I had this visual and I played with it and I, on the way back uh, down the two super athletic boys, um, if they're listening, it was Matt and Zach, but anyway, um, <laughs> they're like, how come we can never be in front? How can we never be in front? And I said, because we'll never see you guys again. They said, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll make sure the guys are right behind us. And so, will, yeah. yeah, on the way out, we let them go. And, um, with like eight kilometers to go or something like that. And the next time we saw them was at the car and they waited for an hour for us, you know? Of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I learned this. Go ahead. No, no. I just, I just wanted to remind people, this is essential dynamics with Derek Hudson. I'm Reed McCollum and Derek is the one who is on the camp with the scouts. Uh, I am way behind lagging. (laughs) Check us out online at DerekHudson.ca. And uh, Derek, please tell us how that story ended. So, so anyway, I learned uh, about the theory of constraints by um, changing the order of who hiked on the trail. Um, while the book was explaining how the Alex, the plant manager, learned about that by changing how the boys hiked on the trail. So I felt like a real deep connection to the principle. So I was able to uh, a couple of times go to courses where Dr. Goldratt spoke and I ended up spending a week in Tel Aviv at uh, the Goldratt house learning about this stuff. Really? How interesting. Dr. Goldratt didn't, wasn't an instructor, but he came in every day at the end. And um, he came in every day at the end and just, just talked and answered questions and rambled on. It was a fantastic experience. Uh, we went out for dinner as a group one night, ended up sitting by him. So I told him the story that, uh, that I just, I just yes. told you. Yeah. I said, I got to tell you, this is how I learned about your stuff. And he said, yeah, oh, you, yeah, the, you replicated it in real yeah. life. Yeah, I got he, it. He said, he said, that's fantastic. He said, but you have to know that I lived that experience too, but it was in the Israeli army. Oh, really? Yeah. And he said, and I had to change it to scouts so that it was like, you know, a little less. Yeah, a little more universal, a little less, you know, elitist or whatever. So I thought that was uh, was super cool that I had that experience. Then uh, years later, I was able to share it with them. Dr. Goldratt passed away in 2011, so not very long after I was able to see him there. And uh, so he's left a huge legacy in this in this body of work called the Theory of Constraints. Well, okay, now I want to know how the the theory of constraints works in application. Uh, are you talking about opposition? Are you talking about, uh, uh, is there deliberate 
opposition? Is there deliberate stoppages in, in what if there's a, I, I, what I'm trying to get to is in business, if there's somebody trying to sabotage the business, just like you're sabotaging the hike, how, the, uh, how do you put the weak man up front? How do you put the weak man up front? Well, Goldratt's solution is sometimes the weak man can't be the first step in the process, but you use the, use the slowest point of the process to set the rhythm for everything. Okay. He calls that the drum. So if, if the big machine in the middle can do three parts a day, no one else makes more than three parts a day. I see. And, uh, and although you want to protect the capacity of the thing that makes three parts a day, so you always have some for it to work on, um, a little bit of a buffer in case something goes down up the line. So there's a lot of stuff that he, uh, uh, that he figured out. But one of the, the key things is that the, the theory talks about inherent simplicity, that when you understand these complex processes, because typically there's only one constraint that's, that drives everything, um, if you can manage that constraint, you can manage a complex process. One of the challenges you have is when the constraint moves around a lot, you can't do yes. that. Yeah. So good organizations, either um, explicitly following a theory of constraints or, or they might stumble into it, is you figure out what you want your constraint to be and that becomes your control point. You, you figure out what you want the constraint to be? That's right. Because I've been, I've been assuming to this point that constraints happen regardless. So I'll just, I'll just give one example. Boeing. Um, when you order a plane from Boeing, they tell you when, every week. Yes. Yes. They tell you when they will deliver it. Oh, I can't come in and say, I want it by July 1st. Right. They say, we will give that to you in five years. Right. And they manage their business on the constraints of their manufacturing because it's so expensive to make planes. I see. When you go into a fast food restaurant, um, yeah, and they you tell order, me I, I can have it in five years. I'm not coming back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, they're waiting for you. Um, and then they'll, uh, you're the constraint. They're, they only do as much business as people come in the store. So, so using constraint as a control point means that constraints aren't necessarily bad. It's just that you manage, you manage to them. You figure out what it is that you, how you want to run your business. And then when you have a single control point, it's so much easier. And that's, that's the same in, uh, you know, applications outside of business as well. So the theory of constraints has been, um, you know, sort of burned deep into my way of thinking. But it's not, sure. in my mind, it, it doesn't describe everything that we need. And so that's one of the ways that I got to this broader view of essential dynamics. But I, cert I certainly have seen many examples of theory of constraints. I think I have time for one more. I use this one a lot. Um, the baked potato station in a buffet line. Okay. So think the baked about potato it. section where people always stall in order to put their bacon bits and butter and sour cream on. Okay. Right, and they're, and they're cutting it in the foil, and then they're like, you know, got it in the right order and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Every other don't station, put the on before the sour cream. I got yeah. it, yeah. Every other station, you just swap the, the mac and cheese or the brisket or whatever on your plate and move on. So, so the solution is 
put it off on all the condiments on the side table, right? Like, yeah, get them to a different line, get them out of the line. So anyway, I just, I just love that. And one of the cool things about working at Edmonton Economic Development and being responsible for the convention center and the expo center is they, uh, these guys know how to do buffet lunch. So we spoke the same language. Oh, that's great. You're listening to Essential Dynamics with Derek Hudson. I'm Reed McCollum. Again, check us out online at DerekHudson.ca, and uh, you'll have uh, you'll have a good time looking at Derek's website as well. Now, Derek, I just how does this get us to simplicity? Well, like I said, we tend to really make our lives far more complex than they need to be, and part of it is that we look at the various steps in the process, and we try to optimize each one. And each step. Each step. And if you get a job in a company, you say, well, if I just do my job really well, then I don't care about the rest. But really, we need to take the view of a broader system. And in a broad system, there's only one constraint. And if How's we understand... Because I, I, the broader the system, it seems to me, there would be more constraints or more uh, trip-ups. There's one limiting factor. If you improve everything else and you don't improve that limiting factor, you get no more production. I get it. I get it. So if you make it way easier to dish up the salad because it's prepackaged on the buffet line, and then I get to the baked potato station, I'm not moving any faster. I see. So you don't have to fix everything. You only have to like deal with the constraints. I, I so appreciate what you're saying, Derek. It's, you make it much clearer. I appreciate your stories. I think that's uh, that's close to all the time we have today. Uh, I you can email our us with your feedback at again DerekHudson.ca and Derek is D E R E K. You'll want to talk to Derek personally. I'm sure you can arrange that on the on the website. Uh, I'm Reed McCollum. You don't want to talk to me, Derek. I only have one question for you now. Does this podcast make me look fat? Thank you for your time. Thank you for talking to us, Derek. And uh, and until next time. Consider your quest.